Hello, and welcome back to The Host by Tori Show. Oh man, you guys, we are officially a dog family now, and we brought home little Kona a little less than two weeks ago, and she is the cutest thing I've ever seen, but I was solo this past weekend while Cam was at a bachelor party, and let me tell you, they do not tell you how much work puppies are, but I know will be so worth it. So uh, finally excited to be back in Austin for the next two months after a bunch of travel. But let's talk about today's podcast. We have Cameron Rogers, formerly known as Freckled Foodie on the podcast. I've been following Cameron for the past five plus years when we were both working at JP Morgan in New York and watched her pursue Freckled Foodie, what she was known at the time, full time. Cameron's goal is to make people feel less alone and understood, so she is a mental health advocate and hosts her own podcast, Freckled Foodie and Friends. She brings a very authentic and down-to-earth voice to social media and has always been one of my favorite fellows. She started giving up alcohol a little over a year ago, which is why I thought it'd be great to bring her on to talk more about that as well as other topics. So what did we talk about? We talked about Cameron's wake-up moment on not wanting to drink alcohol as much and how it related to motherhood. The evolution of Cameron over the past few years, coming from someone who historically operated in a regimented black and white world. Why Cameron isn't sober and believes in the power of cannabis and psilocybin. The relation to diet culture and drinking. The nuance of influencers who are the face of their brand and how they can grow with their audience over time. And the importance of female friendships and Cameron's best tips for maintaining and cultivating strong friendships over time. As always, if you like the show, please rate and or review on Apple or Spotify, but let's get into the episode. First, I wanted to just start and just say, how are you? Like, how are you doing? I'm good. There's a lot happening in my life right now. We moved to the suburbs, I don't know, what month are we even in? Four months ago, which it feels like years already. And my son just turned two and I'm pregnant. There's just like a lot happening at once. Um, but I am good. It's a little bit of that when there's so much happening, I don't think I've had time to like process everything. I keep joking that I'm not going to like realize that I'm pregnant until the child is here, but I feel good. Thankfully I feel much better than I was. My first trimester was pretty shitty, but I finally turned a corner. So I'm like nice. riding that second trimester honeymoon phase right now. Love it. I It's so funny because like I remember, I don't even know at this point, it was like five years ago when I was at JP Morgan and I knew about you and like Freckled Foodie and I literally wrote like a blog post for you at some point. On yes. Your website, which is like so funny, just like thinking about like the restaurant scene. But I remember um, it, obviously like you lived in New York, you just recently moved, but for you alcohol and like going out, whether it was like client dinners or hanging out with friends or just like socializing in New York, like that was a big part of your lifestyle in addition to doing freckled foodie on the side, making the overnight oats at the farmer's markets, like all of the things. And I remember something that you saying of Monday was like your one day for not drinking alcohol. Yeah. Like like that was yeah. the one day, which is just like so funny because in New York, like we just would go out and drink and like wake up at 5 a.m. and go to a workout class and go to work and like be at at 383 Madison. Like it was the craziest lifestyle. Like I go Crazy. back and it's wild. And so now you are, I think, more than a year of like not drinking alcohol. And obviously, like so much has changed. Like from that, you are almost a mom of 
of two. You have moved to the suburbs. You've just like grown a lot in terms of like who you are and your brand. And so talk to me a little bit about the decision to stop drinking and potentially like having alcohol feel a little bit as like something related to your identity, if that was the case. For me, I felt very ingrained in like my relationship with alcohol, meaning that like I was a drinker and I drank socially and that's a lot of who I was for a period of time. Um, but talk to me a little bit about like your decision and, and thought process around not wanting to drink as much. Yeah, for me, alcohol was always something I loved. I grew up in a very like drinking forward house is what I kind of say. Uh, a lot of our nights and socialization are surrounding alcohol. And I also grew up in a house where it was normalized to just have like a drink with dinner. It was, it was sure social drinking, but then also just enjoying a glass of wine or a beer or a margarita or whatever it may be with dinner. And so for me, when I graduated, yes, I was going out a lot, like Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, which is crazy to me to think about now and Sunday during the day. Like, I don't know how I was even alive. But then I also was someone, if I wasn't going out, that I would have a glass or two of wine while I watched my show or with dinner or yeah. something along those lines. So it really sounds absurd, but I did have to make a conscious effort to not drink on Mondays. That was my thing because I realized that I was drinking every night, whether it was one drink in my apartment with a friend or my husband, then boyfriend, or at a client dinner or going out. So I made that like, I just need one night off. And I thought that was like a very big, great deal for me. I then first really explored with not drinking, not necessarily on my own terms, but it was when I um, suffered like my latest and worst concussion, which must have been now five-ish years ago. And you obviously cannot drink after, or you're not supposed to drink after a concussion. And I was dealing with really intense migraines and alcohol was heavily tied into them. And so I stopped drinking, I want to say for a few months at that point, and I was 26. And that was really hard for me because I felt like it wasn't my choice. It was stripped away mm. from me. I had a lot of feelings around the entire concussion. I had a lot of anxiety around my health. I had a lot of anxiety around headaches and whether I was ever going to feel like myself again. And that was really difficult for me because I felt a huge part of my identity, i.e. going out and enjoying nights out with my friends and husband had been taken from me. And at the same time, I was someone who always, even in college, like I was never the person that was getting blackout drunk that had to be taken care of. Like I was drinking, but I always held my alcohol pretty well. And I was the person that people were like, oh, come on, have another. And I'm like, I'm fine here. Like we're good. Yeah. I really hate societal pressure and just peer pressure in general when it comes to drinking. It makes me wildly uncomfortable. And I have no problem being like, no, I, I, I don't care how many times you ask me. I'm not interested. And I think that foreground was laid by my parents being very like open and just sure you can have a drink with dinner when you're a certain age and never feeling like when I got to college, it was this, oh my God, alcohol. So because I had that confidence in my relationship with alcohol for so many years, the decision came kind of out of nowhere, but also simultaneously pretty easy for me. I had always heard people talk about 
whether it be in interviews or on social media, that they had given up alcohol. And subconsciously, internally, I would feel jealous. Like I would have this narrative in my head where I'm like, I fucking wish I could do that. Like I'm, I'm jealous of that. I wish I could do that, but I love alcohol too much or I don't know what was holding me back. And then I had this realization where I was like, why am I jealous of something that I can actively do? It'd be one thing if they were six foot and I'm jealous of their height or their hair is naturally curly and I'm jealous because I can straight hair, but that's a decision that I can actively make. And it wasn't until I became a mom where I really started to question everything in terms Mm. of literal every second of how I was spending my day because everything see it's all put in perspective when there's a child involved and I think that I'm an incredible mom and it's the thing I love most and I feel so confident doing it however I notice every time I was groggy or hungover from a night prior those were the moments where I was like I feel so overwhelmed I'm so overstimulated why, why am I doing this to myself? If I love being a mom, why am I making it harder for myself? And so one night we were just on a double date, honestly. And I think I had maybe three drinks. And the next day I was like, fuck, I don't want to mom right now. That was kind of my wake up where I'm like, this is an active choice. Mm-hmm. So let's, let's pull back a little bit. I had no idea. I thought I would take the week off, like maybe a few weeks, but I just kept feeling better and better. And simultaneously, I just continued to find this new confidence within myself because it was this confirmation that I do know myself best. And that was a year and a half ago now, I think, almost. I mean, then I got pregnant. So like, obviously that has continued more intensely. But yeah, I just, it was very random on a whim. And I think once I did it, I realized how much better I felt. And I was like, why would I not continue this? Yeah. It's interesting because um, for me, when I first took that break from drinking and like very similarly felt so good, like physically, mentally, I don't even have anything to take care of, but like myself, just like how I was showing up, it felt so much better. And I went through what I call this like sober curious phase. I think it's like a phase for people who are like going through a, a um, time where they're like not drinking alcohol as much and then they decide or temporarily decide like, do I want to drink as much? Do I want to lessen it? Like learnings from it. And I went through a little bit of like a self-reflection on drinking and I kept feeling like the streak of not drinking I was getting a little fixated on as like a competitive person. Mm -hmm. And I know that you feel like I I know you're like a competitive person too, just like playing D1 lacrosse and things like that. And I was a swimmer in high school and just like me as a person, that's like who I am. And I had to step back and be like, okay, is it the streak that I feel that I need? Or if like I am craving a glass of alcohol and I am just drinking less generally, will that also make me feel better? And so I've gotten to this place where like I call myself zero proof forward in the sense of the major- vast majority of the time I don't drink, but like I had a couple drinks on our honeymoon and like I will drink from time to time if I want it, but like it's never more than two and it's never more than a couple times potentially in a month. Um, how do you think about not drinking at all versus like potentially just drinking less? And I I think for you, it it sounds like it's just been 
you don't even have a desire because of like how confident you felt. And now you obviously aren't drinking because you're pregnant. But is it something that the streak has kind of like continued and like how good you're feeling? Have you thought at all that you have wanted to drink? Like, tell me a little bit about just your thought process. It's interesting because I did think about this. I had a few people ask me this over DM when I like first started this. And for me, I am totally someone who used to love setting rules. I would be competitive with myself. I loved the black and white. Like that just was where I thrived. And I totally could see a past version of myself obsessing over this. But I took a step back and I was like, okay, am I like, let's assess the situation. I literally don't know the date of when I stopped drinking. So I think that's the first marker of like, Mm. I'm not obsessed over it. I believe it was at some point in February, but I honestly am not sure. I just know it was winter. So I think that like right off the bat shows that I don't feel this like deep obsession connection with the days, hours, weeks, months, whatever. And the entire time it's been, if I want to drink, I'm allowed to have one. There's no rule. I'm not someone, I I don't, I'm not struggling with alcoholism or addiction where it's like, I can't have one because who knows what will happen. And I have so much respect for people who are experiencing that. That's not where my story is coming from at all. For me, I will be out to dinner or wherever. And if my husband or someone gets a drink that looks good, I'm like, oh, let me have a sip. I want to try it. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's always room for me to order one if I want one. I just haven't. And, you know, we went to Italy, my husband and I, and I said, he asked me, he's like, do you think you'll drink on this trip? I'm like, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, if I'm like in the mood for it. And never once was I like, I want one. I would have sips of his and I was totally okay with that. And I also think it's important to say that I'm not sober. I really enjoy and believe in the powers of cannabis and psilocybin mushrooms. So maybe if I didn't have those two things for specific social events, I would be more drawn to wanting alcohol. But for me, I so much more enjoy the way I feel with those two plant-based things that I do with alcohol both in the moment and especially the day after. So I don't feel like there's been an obsession over it. And quite honestly, it's very interesting. I just had this conversation with a friend. We were talking more about diet culture stuff, but I think it is kind of intertwined in this where I never once was like, oh, I really, really want to drink before I got pregnant that year or so that I hadn't drank. But now being pregnant, it's, off the table and it's not really up to me like sure i could goes back to your goes back to your like concussion story right it's it's not my choice necessarily even though yes at the end of the day it is but you know what i mean and it's been so funny because now being pregnant i'm like fuck i want a spicy margarita (laughs) but i'm sure once I give birth and then it is really up to me. I'm like, yeah, if I really want one, I'll have one. But I just don't really envision wanting one. Yeah. In terms of the um, cannabis and I don't know the term mushroom psychedelic. Psilocybin. Psilocybin. Um, That is like really interesting to me because very similarly, like I don't, I'm not against altering my like mind or state of mind. Yeah. At all. It purely for me was like, the feeling that I have the day after drinking alcohol or even feeling like having a little too much and like not 
like feeling as much in control and like I don't I don't have like a problem with it but like that you know like little tipsy feeling where you're just like uh, like feeling out of it to an extent or just not like you're super in control it's really the hangover for me and I don't feel any of that with those other like I don't even want to say modalities yeah exactly okay yeah. yeah I like the terms um, yeah, well, you got to be, look, especially <laughs> as a mom, I got to choose my terms wisely because people have so many fucking opinions. But for me, I wholeheartedly agree. My whole thing is how do I feel the next day or even yes. in that moment? Like yes. for me, I wildly notice a difference in my mental health. I'm someone who struggles with anxiety and depression. If alcohol is in my system from the day or two days prior, depending on how much. Yeah. And I only notice a positive impact on my mental health with the other two plant modalities that I mentioned. And whether they're being used recreationally as like a social way to alter your state of mind or more regularly on a lower level, such as microdosing to really help your mental health. Like I feel this is a big part of our future in the mental health space. I think it's just a conversation that's going to continue to be had. More research is going to be done. Hopefully legal action is going to be taken to allow more people to experience these forms of medicine. And for me, everything I do at the core is how is this going to impact my mental health? Yeah, It's the way I think about exercise. It's the way I think about how I'm spending my time. It's the way I think about who I'm spending my time with. Like that at the end of the day is what drives all of my decisions. And that's what drew my decision to stop drinking. Yeah. And you mentioned diet culture. And I think it's important because when I started doing this, I don't know, maybe it was like six or nine months ago, I got so many questions and feedback being like, not drinking as much or sober curiosity is like feeding into diet culture. And it's like people not wanting to drink for the calories and like all of that, that whole concept. And it bothered me because someone who's dealt with like orthorexia and like having an eating disorder, like back in college, like that call it like eight to 10 years ago, but st- like still has dealt with orthorexia and like comparison trap and, and all of that. And it like is still prevalent. Um, it it bothered me because it was not like the reason that I was doing this at all. It was like purely the mental health components of what you're talking about and how I also do feel physically the next day. Like if I drink, I don't want to work out. I'm not like making the best like nutrition decisions. I'm not making the best decisions for any of my relationships. And so being attacked and I know you can relate to like being attacked on on social media, but like being attacked for like diet culture related to this like felt pretty jarring, although I do think there is probably a world out there where people are masking like sober curiosity and and not wanting to drink as much because of that. So as someone who like is very entrenched into like the wellness space and um, mental health generally, like what's your take on it? I think they definitely can be intertwined, but I also think they cannot be. I, I really believe the main difference is what is the intention because there absolutely are people who are choosing not to drink alcohol for diet culture reasons because they don't want to drunkenly eat at night. They don't want to have the hangover food. They don't want to have the excess calories that alcohol has. Um, you know, that's where it's forming from the decision to stop drinking or even, you know, you bring up orthorexia and a lot of that is really obsessive behavior. 
similar to what we mentioned of the like obsession over the date and being the best you possibly can. I do think that that ties into orthorexia at its core. However, there is a side of sober curiosity, giving up alcohol, whatever you want to call it, that is more and solely based on the mental aspect of it. And I got a lot of questions on this as well, because simultaneously when I had stopped drinking, I I think it was around the same timeline. I honestly do not know, but I was losing a lot of weight because I had given birth to a child. So I was obviously losing the weight of pregnancy, but I, without meaning to or intentionally lost more weight than I would have liked. And yes, maybe alcohol played a role in that. I will never know. I think it was more that I was struggling with postpartum depression. I was breastfeeding. Having a child in your life is way more physical than anyone realizes until they're in the position. But I did get a lot of commentary on my body tied into alcohol. And that made me wildly uncomfortable. And I have spoken about this on my platform a multitude of times to stop commenting on people's bodies because that had nothing to do with why I stopped drinking. And I never wanted that tie to be formed in the back of my head. I never wanted the old version of me to rear its ugly head and grasp onto that and be like, well, now I can't drink because what if I put back on the weight? Like I didn't want that even in my brain space. And I think that's what people forget when they put this commentary on other people is even if it's complimenting in your own, like you think you're complimenting someone, you never know what kind of beast you're fueling internally and what they're dealing with. And that was something that I navigated in this space. And I really sat down with myself and was like, okay, does this have any role in why I've chosen to give up alcohol? And I was confidently able to say it didn't. So then I was able to move on. But I do think that there is a world in this sober curiosity, whatever movement that can be tied into diet culture. Yeah. But again, it really all matters what your intention is. Yeah. I also think the shift that I've seen in in you with the drinking, which has been interesting, is like at first it was like new for you and you stopped drinking and we're seeing like really great benefits. But like now it's just part of your life that like I, I don't feel like you think about it as much or I talk, don't. talk about it as, as much. It's just like, yeah, like you maybe you share a new NA something that you maybe enjoyed, whether it's like an NA beer or something, but like it's not really in your content. And I think I've talked about this kind of at length, but this term of like not giving alcohol as much power and not making it like as big of a deal as it like needs to be. It's just like an aspect of your life that you don't really give as you don't think about as much and you don't give it as much attention. And um, I just felt like that's been really interesting, too, to like see that shift in like a a good way. Um, I want to shift to mental health a little bit related to you and your like personal brand and it's something I think about a lot because I've followed you for the past like five plus years. And I bet you Thank feel you. I feel I bet you feel like it's weird that I like know everything about no, your life. It, it, I'm used to it now of because I share so much that like it it I'm I'm laying it all out there. Yeah. No, and I think it's I think that's what makes you so relatable to your community is that you do share so many different things that that people feel this like personal connection to you. Um, in a way that's like much different than other creators. But at the same time, because of that, you're sharing a lot and you have to be on because you are the face of your brand. And 
you've been the face for the last five years. You left your job to pursue this. And so, like, I know you talk about this all the time, but it it is so interesting. It, when I think about, like, longevity of a brand and bringing your audience around with you and maybe paring back what you're sharing because you're able to, like, let other revenue streams support you as your business. Like, it's such a broad and abstract topic, but... It's evol- it's like evolving and it's also I'm sure as you become like more of a family and have more boundaries and like personal things that maybe you don't want to let people into like how do you think about success of like a personal brand going forward in the state of like the world? Oh, it keeps me up at night. Um, yeah, I honestly don't know. And I, I literally just had a meeting with my management discussing a similar thing of like, okay, what direction are we heading? Currently, if we're being totally honest right now, I feel I'm in complete survival mode. I feel I'm doing everything to simply stay afloat given pregnancy and everything that's happening in my life. So there are times where, you know, I maybe when Liam, my son, was around nine months, I started to find myself again. And I did enter this stage of my career where it was like, let's thrive, let's let's expand, let's focus on this, let's build. Right now, I just feel so distant from that mentality, which is Mm. hard for me, but that's just what pregnancy does to me. So I really am trying not to beat myself up and I'm trying to just stay afloat. And I think in the future, once I have this child, once I get through the early stages of postpartum, I definitely want to sit back and really assess the direction of my business and where I'm going. Simultaneously, I've always said this, like in this industry, it is near impossible to predict where you will be in two to five years. Five years ago, no one knew what TikTok was. Look at all these people who have built empires on this, solely on this app. So the biggest thing is that I constantly am willing to adapt. I think that's really important in this industry. But most importantly to me, it's that I stay true to myself and I do what lights me up because I think that's where success comes from. If I ever hit a point where I'm doing things solely for the likes or for the engagement or going against my own morals, that's when I hopefully like there's no point in that for me. There's absolutely no point in that. I'd rather work in a completely different industry at a corporate job. The reason I love the career I've built is because I can be myself. I've created this incredible community who sometimes I'm always questioning, like, how the hell have we done this? And why does anyone follow me? Because I'm just simply talking to them like I'm FaceTiming. But for me, it's really the ability to continue to show up as myself and share what I'm experiencing. And I think a lot of people in this space are scared to grow or adapt or change what they're talking about, or they feel pigeonholed. And I don't know if it's because this was the way I handled it from the get-go, so I don't feel that way, but I really feel like my community is willing to evolve and grow with me. And look, not everyone's going to be. That's fine. You're never going to be something for everyone. Mm -hmm. And I can fully accept that. I understand that once I became a mom, I'm sure some people were less interested in my content they left my community. Absolutely understand. Maybe they'll come back one day. Maybe they won't. That's fine. But I also picked up a new group of my community that is experiencing something similar with me. So for me, I can't 
not share what I'm experiencing because at the core of my content, it's sharing what I'm going through. And that means I will hopefully evolve and grow as a human. And with that, I hope that my community grows with me. For me, like business wise, I've definitely, you know, expanded in growth in terms of working with my management and being more, a little bit more strategic with social stuff and growing the show and, you know, dipping into different affiliate revenue streams and that kind of stuff. But I don't know what the future holds. I have no freaking idea, quite honestly. I also think that as I've continued to grow, I've been more mindful of what I share. I think in the beginning, it was like, here's everything about my life because there were like a thousand people and 99.9% of them were kind, a hundred percent of them were kind. As I've grown, yes, the percentage is hugely larger of the nice people, but I've also realized that I want to protect certain things of my life, whether it be my family, um, our children, those types of things. That's definitely been something I'm mindful of as the time has gone. Yeah, it's like, I mean, my following or audience is very small, but I I somewhat... But it's really, it's not. You know what? I just want to stop you for a second. I always think about this. Like my husband will catch me saying like, God, this did so poorly. And then I'll say the number and he's like, are you fucking kidding? Like think about how many people that is. For me, I feel like everyone has one thing that they can sexually compare it to. For me, it's weirdly the size of my college because I went to a small mm, school, so it was like yeah. 2,500 people. So if I beat myself up for something, I'm like, wait a second. That is so many like full totally. colleges. Do you know what totally. I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it like your point on gr- like growing and being like super excited and expanding versus like staying afloat. I've very similarly like had those two avenues like how I've thought about it it's like there are some days I wake up and I'm so excited and I have so many ideas and there's like so much I want to do and I want to go after it but like I have a full-time job and so the amount that I'm actually able to put in is like not as much and then there are days that I wake up and I'm like yeah I'm not in it like oh I got married in mid-April and like the month and a half before that, I was like, I can't, I literally can't do anything. Like, I'm so tired. Yeah. Like, I, I, I cannot show up. And I, and what happens is like the people who share more, who are on stories, who are sharing all their life, like they get the engagement and they show up and people follow that. And it's protecting to the mental health of like, I can't right now. Like, I, I can't for my, for me. And I just have to like understand and know that. And so I very much like struggle with those two things um you mentioned like the this industry and like because it's so new creators influencers podcasting no one new mediums like no one knowing in two to five years what's going to be happening as someone who historically was like type a and now i think you've totally shifted a lot of like your mindset it's wild it's crazy i'm like how do i get to be like you because i'm still literally crazy my family is like so confused it's crazy like you, like the the whole thing about you eat what you want you don't think too much about it you work out when feels good like intuitive around those things like there's so much I feel like I've seen you shift as a person in the last couple of years which is just like crazy but for for you it this is might sound like really intense but like I'm working with an exec coach and one of the prompts was like what is your life's purpose yeah and so 
when you think about that question for you, does like mom, because you say you're the most confident in like being a mom. That's the thing Mm -hmm. that you feel like most fulfilled to do. Like, do you feel that? And that's like what you want to prioritize. So the next two to five years for Cameron Oaks Rogers, you're like, I'm going to figure it out. And like, I'm going to adapt. and I'm going to work with my team or like, I don't know. Talk to me about that. Yeah. I mean, this is something I literally talk about every night with my husband and just had a long conversation with my family about. I definitely struggle because the priority will always be my family, no matter what. I will always prioritize my children and my family. And my life goal and purpose, I believe, is to raise children who feel constantly supported and loved and cared for. And that they have a safe space to call home. And that's my husband and my main goal. And that will always be our goal, the two of us. And we're very focused together on providing both that home and the financial means to be able to do this. You know, we work our butts off individually and collectively as employers and employees and also as parents. And we come at it from a very team mentality. I think that's because we've been together for almost 16 years. When it comes oh my to gosh. work, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. We actually realized in November, I will have been with him more of my life than I have been without him, which is crazy. Oh my he's God. got a year on me because he's a year older. Um, but you know, the confusing thing is, I feel so confident as a mother. I love it more than anything. It lights me the hell up. Simultaneously, I absolutely love my work. And I think my other life mission is to help people. And I can get really caught up in the, I guess, like numbers or metrics or whatever of this industry and be like, I'm not doing enough or I didn't get this or whatever, whatever, and forget that my whole goal is to help others. My goal isn't to be a fucking million follower TikToker. Like that's yeah. not my goal. If that means I can help more people, then yeah, I want that. But my goal is to make people feel less alone and understood. And that is confusing for me because I simultaneously love my job and I love being a mom. And part of me wishes that there was this like easy route where my heart desired one way more than the other, where I could give up the other, not give up, but if it was like, you know, I'm just not built out to be a stay-at-home mom. I really just want to focus on my career. I love my kids, but I'm so grateful to be able to bring in people to take care of them so that I can focus on my career because that's what lights me up. Or I don't love my career. I'm not passionate about what I'm doing. I want to fully pay the attention to my family. I feel very torn and I feel so blessed that I've been able to create this life where I do get to do both. I am a stay-at-home mom four of the seven days of a week and a working mom three of the seven days. But it also can really blur and confuse lines because when I am doing one, I have to consciously quiet the voice of the other because they are so intertwined with my identity. Yeah, that's so interesting. In terms of like friendships that kind of are thrown into that as well, because there are like so many, there's so many parts of life, right? There's your family, your friends, your work, your hobbies, um, your, what you do for mental health and, and other things. And, and mental health is like a more horizontal over those like verticals, but had some questions for, for people, for you, uh, from people for you on 
prioritizing friendships when you do when you are a mom and your family starts to evolve and like what you prioritize and from what I see in social media is like not a perfect picture right but like I think you do prioritize a lot of your really good friendships and you've um that's something that I think is like a pretty core value for you and to be completely honest it scares me to think about my life changing from what it is today to what it'll evolve to be in the next couple of years with starting a family. And like, I'm even getting a dog. Like I listened to your dog episode and I'm getting a dog in two weeks, but like, it's a going to be a massive shift for me. Like my husband, my husband and I have <laughs> never prioritized or never had to prioritize anything but ourselves and what we want to do. And so it'll be a shift, but then it's amazing. Yes. And that's what I hear. And like, that's the same thing with motherhood, but it like changes, yeah. it changes your life and it changes where you focus time and who you spend time with and and what you spend time on. And so for the friends that you want to continue to maintain those strong relationships with, like, how do you prioritize them? So my female friendships are one of the most important things to me, hands down. I prioritize my relationships deeply. I love the people in my life. And I love very hard. That's something my dad has always said. I have very strong emotions. I've worked on the other side where he's like, you hate hard and you love hard. I've worked on the hate hard, but I love really hard. And it's always been, if you're in my circle, like you're in it, unless something you really do something. To love <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I get this question a ton. And I think it's because I share just when I'm doing things with my girlfriends. And I also think there's this bit of an anomaly, not anomaly, but we see a lot of creators spend majority of their time with other creators. Yes. And for me, yes, I have friends in this space, people that I can text, ask questions to, all of that. I do have, I would say, four, five girlfriends in this space who I'm very close with, talk on the phone with regularly. I consider them my like real close friends, not just work people. But majority of the people I spend my life with are people who are not in this industry whatsoever. And that has always been important to me because I think a, like it just keeps me balanced in the real world. I'm not mm-hmm. constantly like when I'm with my friends, I'm not at all thinking about content. That's never even top of mind. I'm just enjoying their company. And I have really prioritized the, the females in my life because for me, I think there's nothing more important than like a good friendship And the way that I do this, you know, every friendship is different. There are some friends I posted about one of my girlfriends, Tina, recently. We grew up in like neighboring towns, never went to school together, but we played club lacrosse together from, I don't know, fourth grade through high school. We went to rival colleges. So we never were in school together. She's been one of my closest friends since we were in fourth grade. And I talked to her not regularly, but when I see her, nothing changes. And we continue to prioritize seeing each other. That's like at the core of that friendship. We're not talking every day. We're not seeing each other all the time, but we make the effort to make sure we are seeing each other every once in a while. And then there are friends who, you know, one of my best friends who had a child six months before me and just had her second. I'm talking with her over text message literally all day long. And Because of that, I know every fucking detail of her life, but those texts are really focused on the fact that we support each other through mothering and this world of parenting where it could be 
complaining about something, bitching about something, saying how amazing something is, asking for advice. Like I think those mom relationships are so important and I really heavily relied on them when I became a mother. And then I also have many close friends, whether it be from high school or college who don't have kids and whether they want to have kids in the future or they don't, I prioritize those relationships as well. And those are different because we're connecting, but I'm not calling them to be like, Oh my God, Liam woke up in the middle of the night yeah. and I'm so fucking tired. Like I'm scared to potty train because they don't care. And I have to acknowledge and accept that. Like at the end of the day, they are not experiencing that. So why would they want to hear about Liam's sleep schedule? And I've seen a lot of TikToks that are like, you find out who your real friends are when you have a kid. And I think that goes misunderstood because what I think people who don't have children see when they see that is like, oh, they ex- you expect me to show up for everything? Like, I-, I don't care. And from a parent perspective, you have to accept that like no one is going to be as obsessed with your kid as you are. Yeah. You have to accept that. People might love your kids. People might not be kid people. Like, that doesn't make them any less of a friend. What it is, is that this is the first time probably that the relationship has felt incredibly one-sided. Most relationships I envision like a seesaw. Someone's always going through something. So usually one person's putting more effort in than the other. This is just way more extreme. If one of you just had a kid and the other one doesn't have a child, to the person without a child, it might feel like you've suddenly been ignored or replaced or you're not important. To the person with a kid, your life is turned upside fucking down. You have so much going on. You're not checking in on the other person. You're trying to navigate this new world. You feel a disconnect because quite honestly, I felt this in the beginning. I didn't know what to talk about because I felt there was nothing else happening in my life. And what I think is really important in those friendships where maybe one has a child and one doesn't is that you just continue to check in on each other and show up when necessary, but accept that like it might shift in the beginning. It might change a little bit. It might take a little bit of time to get back to normal and an even balance, but like relationships in different realms of your lives can very much exist. You just have to prioritize them. Yeah. One thing that I stress out about is the concept of like a friendship not feeling strong anymore and me being like, oh my gosh, I'm I'm such a bad friend. Like I haven't reached reached out to them. We haven't kept in as much touch. And for your context, like none of my best friends live in Austin. And that's a really hard thing. I just like grew up in Chicago, was in New York, was in San Francisco. My husband and I moved to Austin. And like I've met a ton of really great people here and people who I think will be like really great friends. Um, just like even in the near term, but also just like longer term as we hopefully stay here. But I have to remind myself that a friendship is like a two-way street. So if I didn't call them, but they they didn't call me, but it still feels like I could have done more, you know, like, what do you look for in a friend to know that they're, they're supporting you or like are a good friend? Because I look at some friendships that are like 15 years old and I'm like, I mean, why are we still fr- like, are we friends just because of longevity or are we friends because like we actually want to talk and like spend time with each other? So a few things. One, like I am that phone call friend. Like I literally every morning I call probably three people. I go on a walk every morning. Oh my God. That's awesome. And I'm not a huge texter. Like I'm the girl in group chats. That's like harding or react. I'm a big reactor. Yeah. I'm kind of on the sidelines. Like I always know what's happening. I read every single one, but I'm in a lot of group chats and it would spend so much of my time to be like hyper texting all of them. So I'm a big reactor in group chats. 
I am a phone call person. If you like, I will call on my morning walks. I rotate between probably 15 people when it comes to like my home friends, my college friends, my real world friend, I don't know, family. And so I call the catch up. And I think that helps tremendously, especially with friends that you might not live near. Like I'm not always calling my best friend, Jess, because I'm texting her 20,000 times a day. Right. But one of my best friends who has been my best friend since second grade who lives in Arizona, she's someone I'll call to be like, what's happening in your life? Give me the lowdown. I miss you. That kind of stuff. So I think that's really important. And that's a way that I deeply connect with my friendships. And they always kind of know that I'm going to call. Like I just, they're like, you're the only person in my life that calls me, but I don't know. That's just how I connect with people. Um, and why am I forgetting your question? There was a question that I just completely forgot about. It was more so on like, what do you look for? In, oh, what in do friend? I look for? Yeah. So honesty is at the core of friendship, in my opinion. And have I always been the greatest friend to people? No. And I fully accept that. But for me, if I feel like I've been a shitty friend or I feel like I haven't given enough, I'll send a text and be like, or I'll call them. Hey, I feel like I've been a shitty friend. I haven't checked in on you. What's going on in your life? I'm really sorry. X, Y, Z has been happening to me. And that's why I haven't been as present. One of my closest friends from college, we struggled a bit during my postpartum, postpartum like fresh period. And we had a really honest conversation. I don't know. I was probably three months postpartum where I was like, I felt hurt because of X, Y, Z. And she told me why she felt hurt. And I was like, I totally understand why you would feel that way. That wasn't my intention. It wasn't her intention. We talked it all out. And would it have been really easy to just been like, well, fuck, she hurt me. I'm done. Mm. Or like sweep it under the rug, never discuss it and have the relationship potentially fizzle out. Absolutely. That's the easy route, in my opinion. Yeah. The hard route is being vulnerable, saying why you're hurt, expressing your emotions, owning up to ways that you didn't do things the best and to your own faults. And for me, I am only in relationships that I would do that work because I find them worth it. I'm not in the half-ass relationships. That to me, I don't have time for. And I think with age, I've evolved in the way that like, you know, even looking at, I have a group of 10 college friends, right? We were a group of 10 in college. We're still close. We have group chats. We talk every once in a while. I'm about to see all of them for our reunion. But I can understand that like, not every single friendship in that group is going to remain as close as or constant as it once was when we were in college living on the same block. We live in different places. We have different things happening. There are multiple people in your life. And so there's nothing that anyone did wrong in any of these friendships, but it's just, I'm not going to converse with them as often as I once did. When I see them, am I so excited to see them? Do I still love them with my whole heart? Am I still so excited to spend time with them and have fun? Absolutely. But I have to accept that I do not have enough time in my life to be in constant communication with everyone I once was a friend with. And that's no one's wrongdoing. It's just the evolution of the world. For creator friends, how do you know if it's just like a fake, not fake, but like a I'm never someone, I'm never like seeing people out. We're tagging each other. That's never been my relationship with creators. And I think that's where the surface level fake friendships yeah play into like you know where it's like oh let's hang out so we can tag or create content like i'm calling my girlfriends in this space to talk about life boyfriends husbands children check in on them 
and talk about work, but more so in the sense of acting as colleagues of like, how did you do this? Have you worked with this brand? I'm struggling with XYZ. How are you navigating this? It's not, I want to hang out with you so that you can tag me because you have so many followers. Like one of my, my best friends in this space has over a million followers. And I'm like, never once thinking about whether she's going to tag me for something. Like I could care fucking less. Right. She's one of my closest friends. Like I don't, none of that plays into it. Yeah. All right. Cammie, tell us where we can find you. Like what's next? What gets you excited? When are you due? All the things. What am I, what am I do? Someone said, someone said a date to me the other day, her due date. And I was like, why do I know that date? And it, turned, <laughs> it was my, it was my wedding anniversary, but I was okay. like, wait, is that my due date? And I was like, no, that's when I got married. Um, so you can follow me on social media, Cameron Oaks Rogers on both Instagram and TikTok. My podcast is Freckles Beauty and Friends. I release an episode every Wednesday morning on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to your podcast. And I do October 22nd. So there will be a like maternity leave coming up. I'm navigating that currently trying to structure that, but the show will continue. There will be a new episode every week. Just have to figure out how the hell I'm going to do that. Wow. And yeah, (laughs) yeah, we'll see. Um, What's next? Honestly, I don't know. This is like a big focus year for family and then hopefully work will flourish in the future. I love that for you. Thank you for coming on. This was great. Thank you for having me. Yeah. See ya. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much to everyone for listening. As you know, I am not a specialist and I am not trained to give advice whatsoever. These are just my own personal thoughts and conversations. If you haven't already, please subscribe and rate or review the show. If you can, it helps so, so much. And feel free to find me on social channels, Host by Tori, and my website, www.hostbytori.com. See ya!